if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Our number two is underway now at nine minutes past ten. Thanks for being with us on this uh, Tuesday, the first morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord 2020. Great, great conversation with Congressman Jim Jordan. I told you it was going to be a couple of heavy hitters today. Jim Jordan was number one, and now batting in the two-hole is our good friend Peter Kersenow. Peter Kersenow is, of course, a Cleveland attorney, a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, a host of the Kersenow Report, a columnist, and a best-selling author, among many other titles. Peter, good morning, my friend. How are you? Beautiful day in Cleveland, Bob. How you doing? I'm doing well, my friend. I know you're not counting down to anything anymore, and I don't blame no, you. Uh, are no. you ready to walk away? I'm ready to join the walk-away campaign. In fact, I have joined I've, it when it comes to professional yeah, sports. Yeah, I've walked away. Uh, I'm not involved in any of the craziness that's going on. Only in America could a millionaire maintain that he is somehow oppressed. Uh, this is not to discount that you know there are imperfections in society, there are certain injustices, but almost everything that we've heard from the major league franchises, from the various players, all these woke commissioners, is based on a complete and utter falsehood, and that should matter. And what's incredible to me, and probably to all of your listeners, well, maybe less incredible now than it would have been, say, 15, 20 years ago, is that the falsehoods are there for everyone to see. They are blatant. They are not a mystery whatsoever. Yet the falsehoods remain as if they are fact. The media does nothing to dispel them. Uh, Academia does nothing to dispel them. In fact, they try to build upon them and exacerbate them, as with the 1619 Project and other things similar to that. And it's an entire party is devoted to the false narrative. I've never in my lifetime seen this kind of blanket prevarication on the part of major institutions, and they do it with apparent impunity because no one, with the exception of maybe a Donald Trump and you know uh, conservative uh, media outlets such as yours, call them on it. It's truly an extraordinary place we are in society today. Yeah, it really is. <clears throat> and um, it's kind of interesting, Peter. I um, you know I asked you about your countdown because you've been no- known for doing that for five years now that I've been on this radio program, doing this radio program, and you've been my guest. And uh, 
I walked away too. Um, you know, the NFL is is about to dive headfirst into the same mess that the NBA is in. They're going to allow players to put the names of what they believe to be victims of unjust police brutality or shootings or whatever on the back of their helmets. Remember, they would not allow the Dallas Cowboys to put a mm-hmm. symbol on the back of their helmet to represent five police officers who were murdered in an ambush uh, a, a few years ago. Um, but I want to I want to dive into this since we like I said since we kind of got taken into it by your normal countdown. Um, what the NBA did over the course of the end of last week and then to the weekend, they finally started playing their games again back on Sunday. I guess I mean I I'm proud to say I have not watched a single dribble since they returned uh, in their little bubble in Orlando and had Black Lives Matter painted on the floor. Uh, I've not watched a single dribble, so I don't know who's in, who's out, what what the series are, all that stuff. But I do know that LeBron James and um, uh, some of the players on the Lakers and the Clippers declared that they were going to have a vote on whether or not they were going to play any more of this, the playoffs at all in order to make their statement. Um, they did decide to come back and play, and I guess they picked it up again on Sunday, I think. But LeBron James during this period of of grandstanding declared, and I quote. We are scared as black people in America. Black men, black women, black kids, we are terrified. Um, Pete, Larry Elder fact-checked him uh, on Twitter, uh, reminding him that cops kill two times as many whites as they do blacks, and as, and at least as many unarmed whites as unarmed blacks, and that half of homicide victims in the U.S. are black, almost all killed by blacks, and that the number one cause of preventable death for white males is accidents. The number one cause of death for black males is homicide by other blacks. Um, but most people aren't seeing what Larry Elder fact-checked him on. You know, LeBron James has 40, 50 million followers on Twitter. LeBron James has an enormous platform, and he is trying to to sell that the reason they boycotted and the reason they, uh, you know, delayed it, or postponed games, et cetera, is because black people in this country are being hunted. Peter, um, you've, you've done the stats, and I certainly know you've read them, when it comes to interracial crimes in America. That means violent crimes committed by one race against another. There is only one race that should feel hunted in this country, and it is not LeBron James' race or your race. Right. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Um, you know, back at the outset of the George Floyd incident, you and I had at least two programs where we discussed these stats in detail, and they're overwhelming. I mean, they're really daunting. Um, there are, and I don't have them right in front of me, but the, in terms of interracial crimes, uh, it is extraordinary the imbalance uh, in terms of violent crime committed by blacks against whites versus the reverse. The overwhelming majority of interracial crimes, violent crimes, are committed by blacks against other races, principally whites. A infinitesimally small percentage of interracial crimes are whites against blacks. LeBron James is phony. Uh, he's an extraordinary basketball player, but when he teats that, uh, tweets that he's frightened, um, everyone knows that that is false. Uh, he's not frightened. All you have to do is look at the images every night on television and ask yourself, do the folks who are burning down these buildings, most of whom, by the way, happen to be white suburban Antifa types living in their parents' basements, but the, the people who are engaged in the burning, the looting, the rioting, the violent assaults, do any of them look frightened to you? They don't appear to be frightened to me. They appear to be aggressive. They appear to be lunatics, frankly. You know who and- appears frightened, Pete? 
the white people, people in their get cars. Killed. The white people in yeah. the cars that are being surrounded and smashed and jumped on and pulled out and kicked in the head and so on and so forth. Those people look pretty terrified. And it's not just white people. It's whites, blacks, Hispanics, Asians. It's law-abiding people who are frightened. Those people who are accosted Amen. in the restaurants. Those people who were leaving, for example... We all saw the video of the attendees to the uh, Republican convention, the president's speech, leaving and being uh, assaulted. Dan Bongino, of course, is one of them, and his wife. And, of course, he has been very vocal about that. But but there's been a blackout in the media. Um, About a month ago, I think I was on Tucker, and I mentioned that there's going to be a continued blackout because the media now has – they are not a news organization anymore. They have completely and utterly, I mean, they were largely a democratic organ, but now they've completely and utterly devoted themselves to electing Joe Biden and any other Democrats. And it's, it's extraordinary to say something like that. that, that bald a statement, but it's absolutely true. In the past, you would have said, yes, the media is biased, you know, and they've gotten increasingly biased over the years. But now they've just completely thrown off any kind of mask that they may have had with respect to objectivity. And they are flat out lying. Another term that I try to refrain from, uh, I would say that they were mistaken or they were biased or they're shading the truth. But now they're engaged in flat out lying. In other words, perpetuating falsehoods, knowing that they're false, because it's abundantly clear that they know that they're false, because unless you have an IQ of 14, there's no way you could not know that they are false. And the fact that they are uh, blacking out images of burning buildings, or when they do show them, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's funny if it wasn't so tragic. You've seen the various screenshots of CNN and MSNBC reporters standing in front of rioting and looting and burning buildings with a cry on that says, mostly peaceful demonstrations. It's extraordinary what's going on. And now, finally, after three months of utter silence, and back at the outset of this, Bob, you and I discussed, I remember it was early June, it was when the riots were occurring here in Cleveland, you and I discussed the fact that it would be imperative for the Democratic Party to immediately denounce this stuff. And if they didn't immediately do so, they are going to reap the consequences of it in November. And they didn't. For Three months, they said absolutely nothing, went through an entire convention without even mentioning it once. And then finally, when Joe Biden comes out of his little basement and makes a speech about it, he blames it all on Trump. He says the riots must stop, and as he tries to claim he's been saying it for a long time, if he's been saying it, he's been mumbling it to himself in his basement, and then claims that it's Trump's fault. And do any media people fact check him other than fox news no one does they will fact check donald trump if he says today is tuesday and they'll probably find that you know more maybe it's tuesday in the julian calendar but on the gregorian calendar whatever it may be but but they'll find some dispute with it but we are in a uh, an era today where major institutions all of whom are controlled by the left are lying and engaging in propaganda an extraordinary period of time that we are in uh, Peter Kersenow, you are a thousand percent right. I'm going to let you listen to this now so that you can prepare your response to it on the other side of our timeout, which is coming. But this is part of what you mentioned when Joe crawled out of the basement yesterday and went over to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and read somebody else's words uh, from the teleprompter. Listen. I believe if I were president today, the country would be safer and we'd be seeing a lot less violence. And here's why. I have said we must address the issue of racial injustice. 
I've personally spoken to George Floyd's family and to Jacob Blake's family. I know their pain, and so do you. I know the justice they seek, and so do you. They've told us none of this violence respects or honors George or Jacob. I believe we can bring these, 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 these folks fighting for racial justice to the table. That apparently would stop all of the violence if Joe Biden were president, he said. Peter Kirsten, out your response to that coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten twenty-three. We're back with Peter Kersenow. Peter Kersenow. Joe Biden said before the break. I played for you his comments yesterday in Pittsburgh that if he were president today, the country would be safer and we'd be seeing a lot less violence. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I called George Floyd's family and I called Jacob Blake's family, and therefore the violence would be over if he were in charge. Um, <laughs> take it away, Pete. Well, among the other things he should do is consult with his running mate, Kamala Harris who just a short time ago, when interviewed and asked whether or not what were then nothing but violent protests, anarchy, cars and buildings being burned, people being shot, businesses being looted, thousands of businesses being destroyed, she said with a smile on her face, and you can go to the video and look at it, that the protests would continue. In fact, if you look at her Face, you can come to your own conclusion as to what she believed what would happen. It looked as almost as if she had a conspiratorial look on her face. She was very happy about the fact that these protests, and they were not protests. We all know that that was the left narrative, but they were riots. Joe Biden is, you know, I'm, I'm starting to sound like Donald Trump, but the fact of the matter is he is too weak to do anything about that. It, these are all, Donald Trump is exactly right. Regardless of whether or not the media wants to report it or not, Donald Trump is right. These are all occurring exclusively in Democrat-controlled cities. The Democrats control every lever of government in those cities. They have rejected federal help. They have defunded the police in the midst of titanic surges in crime. They have told police to stand down. They've permitted violent mobs to attack people with virtual impunity. They release people with, first, first of all, if they are arrested, which is rare, they then release them. And if they are subject to any kind of prosecution, most often, not most often, but very often, the charges are dropped, at least based on what I've been able to discern thus far. At least hundreds of cases have been dropped in Portland. We know that's happened in Kenosha, in in Minnesota, all by Democrat prosecutors. The fact that the Democrats said absolutely nothing for three months tells you all you need to know about what they consider to be the principal objective of government. In their estimation, the principal objective of government is to get more Democrats elected and give more Democrats power. They are not engaging in that first and ultimate obligation of government to protect the lives and property of the citizenry. They've completely abandoned it. When you look at Joe Biden, you've heard me saying, and I try not to engage in this. I've been doing it all, all morning long. Uh, but you know, in the five plus years we've been talking on the radio, Bob, that I try to avoid using uh, you know, pejorative terms or hyperbole. But in one case, yeah. I have to be objective about this. I have appeared... I've appeared before 
Joe Biden a number of times in the various committees he's mainly in the Senate Judiciary Committee. And I remember the first time, well, I don't know if it was the first time, it was the first time I remember that I engaged in any kind of colloquy. Uh, that was uh, about 15 years ago during the John Roberts Supreme Court nomination hearing. I believe that was, was the time. But I remember at the time I came back and told family and friends, I was bewildered. I had encountered him before, but I was truly astonished at how, and I hate to say this, but he was dumb. Uh, very, very dumb. I was ex it was extraordinary to me that this is a person who would be in the Senate. And this was 15 years ago. He was a lot sharper than he is now. That's not saying much. But he is a very dumb person. And for anyone who thinks dumb people don't lie or can't lie, Joe Biden lies all the time. They always talk about Donald Trump lying. Donald Trump lies like a used car salesman lies. He exaggerates. He puffs. We know what he means, okay? And, and, and we get it. It's, it's almost endearing. The left goes nuts about it. He lies about un, un, inconsequential things. Joe Biden lies about all kinds of consequential things, and he's been doing it his entire career. The media may be giving a pass on it now, but it was well known that Joe Biden was one of the great liars in Senate, and that's saying something. He lied about his record in law school, claiming that he was, you know, graduated near the top of his class. He lied about everything. He plagiarized Neil Kinnock. He plagiarized a lot of other people. He plagiarized somebody just recently. I can't remember who it was, but he lies constantly the difference is he plagiarized two different people in his in his dnc acceptance speech yeah, there, there were two go. different cases of play today i mean you know you're right this isn't even historical with him it's it's ongoing and i believe every single word you say about how dumb he is because well here's the tough thing uh pete if, if, if you're an objective observer right now of joe biden Comparing him to the Joe Biden of 15 years ago or 20 years ago or 25 years ago, and again, we all know he's been in, in, in uh, office for 47 years for crying out loud. He's in D.C. in the swamp. But, but if you listen to him now, you kind of wonder how much of the babbling incoherence is dementia, which people have said, cognitive decline, and how much of it is just dumb. He just can't keep thoughts straight because he's not a very smart guy. I mean, I, I don't know whether to, to think that he's incompetent or if he is he's losing his, his mental faculties. Having dealt with him, he is losing his mental faculties. There's no doubt about that, but there wasn't a whole lot of faculties to lose to begin with. That's, that's, that is a fact. He was, I have not dealt with every member of the Senate or every member of Congress, but uh, of those that I dealt with over the last 25 years, maybe even 30 years that I've been dealing with, with uh, folks in Washington, um, he ranks as the person who was the most ignorant of the issues and the dumbest in terms of his ability to address those issues, his, his cognitive ability to, to grasp and analyze issues. But there's been a decline. It's noticeable. You can see it right away. And that's why I think they're doing everything they can to make sure, to the extent he possibly can, stay in the basement. They script everything for him, every single thing. And even then, he can't stay on message. And they are petrified of him engaging in a debate with Donald Trump. I've maintained, you know, as you know, Bob, for months now that there were go there were going to be no debates uh, because I believe that as bad as it would be to have no debates, his handlers understand it would be worse to put him up there for maybe two hours against Donald Trump. Donald Trump eviscerated 15 other I mean, Republicans who were on their game. You're talking about the Ted Cruz's of the world, you know, folks like that. And Trump beat them all without any kind of prior 
office holding. He had never done anything like that before, and he eviscerates them all. Joe Biden has no chance of holding his own against Donald Trump. Now, in last month, a week and a half, I understand Maybe that's why Nancy said that he shouldn't debate at all. <laughs> right. I'm sorry, I know Nancy that, Pelosi said last week he should not debate. Right. I, I know that Biden's folks have been saying he will debate, he will debate, he will debate. I'll believe it when I see it, but if he does, it's a big mistake on his part. It'd be better if he didn't and just take the blowback from not doing it. Peter Kirsten now joining us on AM 1420, The Answer, right back after this. Continue now at 1037 with Peter Kirsten. Now, one more segment with Pete as we analyze uh, Joe Biden's tale full of lies yesterday, telling tall tales, if you will, uh, about President Donald Trump and about what's really happening and who's really stoking the violence. One of the things that um, Biden did yesterday, Peter, was he declared that it's Trump armed uh, Trump's armed militias that are going into these cities and creating and causing all of this violence. And uh, I've been watching all of this on a nightly basis, sadly, because I have to for this show. And the one incident of somebody being armed who is not one of the BLM or Antifa anarchists who are literally harming people is the kid in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Kyle Rittenhouse, who took, uh, who left his home in Illinois. Now, first of all, we won't even talk about the parenting. I don't know what parent doesn't know where a 17 year old is, either gave him the green light or did not know that he drove to Kenosha. Uh, with a first aid kit and then picking up an AR on the way and decided he was going to um, help uh, protect and defend businesses there and treat people who get injured. Maybe a noble effort there, but still, he's 17. It's insane. But at any rate, you've seen the videos, I'm sure, Peter. Um, he's being charged with murder. And the left is declaring this, and Joe Biden is declaring this as an example of Trump's armed militiamen uh, going out there and shooting peaceful protesters. Now, I don't know how much of the videos you have seen, but uh, President Trump commented on it yesterday, and he said it looked like he was defending himself. And indeed, I have seen a 13-minute frame-by-frame video that was narrated by uh, Colleen Noir, who said uh, very plainly and direct, or showed very plainly and directly that this kid was attacked in both instances in which he had to fire that gun. And he was. Um, what are your thoughts on Biden trying to and the left trying to paint Trump supporters as being the violent ones after 90 plus days of violence by people spray painting BLM and Antifa all over uh, every building that they smash and destroy? Scores of people have been killed. Thousands have been injured and they've been all injured by Antifa or BLM people, not one Trump person. In fact, a couple of days ago in Portland, a Trump supporter was murdered because he was a Trump supporter, and then they celebrated it. It's all on video. You can see it. Uh, media, media may not want to display it because their overarching effort is to de- defeat Trump, but those are the facts. One of the reasons, Bob, you and I have talked about the importance of being accurate, because there are significant consequences on a large scale for the media and politicians not being accurate about volatile matters matters such as this. And there's nothing more incendiary in this country than race, matters of race. So when their falsehoods are being perpetuated on a large scale, bad things happen. And that's what Biden is doing right now. It's despicable, and it, it will result in more people getting hurt 
more people dying. And, and let me just give you a little bit of a background with respect to this. You and I talked earlier in the program about this narrative that Biden and his folks are trying to perpetuate about Trump supporters and LeBron James saying that he's petrified or he's terrified, all based on a completely, utterly false narrative. And why is that important? Why is it important to be accurate about these things? Well, we've seen the rush to judgment. And one of the reasons I don't want to comment about Kyle Rittenhouse is because I've seen the videos and I've come to certain conclusions preliminarily, but we don't have enough evidence. And I I want the whole thing to play out because we have seen repeatedly in incendiary situations, Michael Brown situation, um, the Freddie Gray situation, Trayvon Martin situation, uh, George Floyd situation. After the facts have had an opportunity to settle, it turns out that what actually happened is 180 degrees different from what the media and Democrats, but I repeat myself, have been telling us. And here we are again, rushing to judgment. We should be sober about these things for this reason. The inaccuracies perpetuate these riots, the looting and everything else. Everyone thinks, everyone who is rioting, that is, believes this narrative or purports to believe the narrative that America in general, police in particular, are hunting down blacks, that we, this, this country is infused That's with That's the phrase LeBron inju- used. Right, is, is infused with racial injustice. If it was just one individual such as, and I don't mean to say just, but if it was one individual such as George Floyd, who appears, and again, the facts, we can talk about this, Bob, the facts are coming out on these things, but appears to be abused by a cop, you wouldn't have mass rioting. But the perception is that it is, quote-unquote, systemic racism that pervades society and has been pervading society forever, okay? That, you know, the 1964 uh, Civil Rights Act was never passed. Nothing has changed. This is a systemically racist country. That's what's perpetuating these riots. When you have these riots, what happens, Bob, what you and I have talked about is the Ferguson effect, and we're seeing that on steroids now. Maybe we should call it the Minneapolis effect now, and that is there's a withdrawal from active policing for a whole host of reasons, and we're seeing that now, Democratic mayors defunding police and telling them to stand down. And here's the net effect. If you truly believe black lives matter, you should want the truth out there so that there wouldn't be this kind of mass rioting, because here's what happens. The year after Ferguson occurred, 1,800 plus more blacks were murdered as a direct result of the Ferguson effect. That's a lot of people who died because of a false narrative. We will see more of that in the succeeding year after George Floyd, because this level of conflagration is much greater than what we saw after Ferguson. And we have seen the stats on this. I don't have them in front of me, but we have seen double-digit and triple-digit increases, depending on the city, in violent crime, including homicide. Most of that violent crime is in black neighborhoods or perpetrated upon black people. There are going to be more black people dead. By whom? By blacks. And here's the stat that you will see from time to time. I've got it in, you know, I've, I've, in the break, I did go out and pull up some of my stats because I wanted to be accurate about this. When we're talking about interracial crimes, blacks are only 13.4% of the population, but blacks commit 85.5% of all interracial crimes. And by that, I mean violent crimes such as homicide and felonious assault. And here are the numbers. In just a three-year period, 
540,360 felonious assaults were committed by blacks on whites. 91,470 felonious assaults by whites against blacks. All of that is reprehensible, but it completely destroys this narrative that blacks are being hunted by whites. The reverse is true, if anything. And I won't say that, that whites are being hunted by blacks, but the disproportionate number of blacks who are victimizing whites is extraordinary. It completely confounds LeBron James's narrative that he's petrified. LeBron James, again, thanks LeBron for the, for the world championship that you brought here, but these are moronic statements. I hate to tell people to stay in their lanes. I think that's very smug. You should never do that. I think, you know, a, a, a person who is, um, you know, works in a bakery can opine upon anything he wants to. That's fine. That's America. We should have that kind of freedom as opposed to the left trying to cancel us. But LeBron James, if he's going to opine to 40 million people, at right. least get it marginally right, LeBron James. You're that baker doesn't have, the, doesn't have the platform, Pete. Exactly You're right. That's right. a big LeBron deal. He James, better use it responsibly. He is perpetuating a falsehood to masses of people that contribute directly to this kind of Ferguson effect occurring to this, just the ability of Democratic politicians to argue that, well, son of a gun, we should defund the police. You cannot make an insane statement like that if the narrative abroad, if, if the public believed that, in fact, uh, the crime stats are what I say they are. No one would countenance that. The only way they get around that is by the notion that somehow there's some pervasive systemic racism where blacks are being hunted down, and it is false. And I'll say again, LeBron James, if you're afraid that blacks are going get, to get killed, you're contributing to that by contributing to what is known as the Ferguson effect. These crime spikes in major urban Democrat exclusively controlled areas, these crime spikes are predominantly among blacks. Blacks are getting victimized. They're getting killed. It's not just blacks. I mean, everybody's getting victimized. We saw it in Kenosha. Pete, let this me bring this current. incredible. Let me bring this current and let me bring it local, especially since we're talking about LeBron, whose whose irresponsible voice here is is extraordinarily important. Now, I know he's from Akron, but it's close enough to Cleveland. And as you said, obviously, he played in Cleveland. And so let's talk about this. Why has Captain Black Lives Matter LeBron James not said a word about this? As of one thirty this morning, when the latest homicide occurred, Peter, there have been 108 homicides in Cleveland this year. One hundred six of them are black-on-black crimes. Now, where is LeBron James if black lives matter? Where is uh, Doreen McKesson? Where is Sean King? Where is uh, you know Al Sharpton? Where are, uh, where's Benjamin Crump? Where are these people if black lives matter? And this is where I get really tired of having to say Black Lives Matter Incorporated, but, but Black Lives Matter, the organization, does not give two rips about any individual black life. It is a political movement, because if black lives mattered, they would be here going, what the heck, 108 dead black people in the streets of Cleveland. They don't, they don't want to say a word about it, because 106 of them are killed by other black people, Peter. Yeah, and that happens throughout the country, and it's been happening for decades. We've been arguing about this, and when I say we, there are those of us on the Civil Rights Commission who lean to the right, who want to be accurate. We're concerned about these things, legitimately concerned, not for propaganda reasons, because we don't want to see, first of all, we love this country, 
We want this country to prosper and all those within it to have an equal opportunity to prosper. But because of these lies, we are skewing things in such a way that it makes it much more likely that more blacks are going to be victimized, more Americans are going to be victimized. And LeBron James, by perpetuating falsehoods like that, is contributing mightily to this because he's got such a huge pat platform. I am Look at what, what happens when a LeBron James and others like him perpetuate this raging falsehood. What happens is it cows people who should know better into submission to this false narrative. Look at what Goodyear did, for example. Look what a lot of major corporations are doing. Black Lives Matter, this Marxist organization that's perpetuating all of this stuff, is getting tens of millions of dollars from corporate America. The morons, and I use that term advisedly, who run our franchise, our, our uh, uh, sports leagues, who are capitulating to this, are contributing to this conflagration. They're contributing to this slaughter. Facts need to get out because, frankly, the society has been suffused with falsehoods. It's going to be extraordinary. The, 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 the struggle right. to pull this back is going to be titanic. To correct the falsehoods, is, is going to, it's going to take years to do it. And in the meantime, more people are going to get killed. The country is going to be riven by racial division. This, this is reprehensible. Uh, one other point, and this is a little bit off topic, Bob. Not, uh, it's actually on topic, but a little bit off the, the mark is, you know, my, my problem with respect to the 1619 Project. The 1619 Project, it works hand-in-glove with this false narrative. It is infusing in our young people this notion that America is in, irreversibly racist, that racism is the principal guiding principle of this country. It, first of all, among other things, it so limits the upward uh, trajectory of individuals who are subjected to this kind of poison. But more importantly, it right. creates divisions, fuels the false nerve that will result in the kind of violence that we see in America's streets today. We have to stop this. Every single American has a responsibility to correct the record, and LeBron James better do so, or else he's complicit in driving all of the violence that we're seeing right now. Exactly right. Complicity is key, and it is all baked into the same cake. You are 100% correct, as always. Peter Kirsten, I'll thank you, my friend. God bless. Take care, Bob. 10.50, final segment coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. All right. Um, I promised a listener back in the first hour of the program, or maybe it was at yeah, it was before the end of the first hour, that I would give him something. There was a listener who said, "Bob, I need something from the Charlottesville lie." Now you know what the Charlottesville lie is. The Charlottesville lie has been told repeatedly by Joe Biden and by mainstream media members all over the place. Uh, Joe Biden most recently repeated it in the Democratic, his Democratic National Convention acceptance speech, suggesting that, not suggesting, stating that Donald Trump called neo-Nazis and white supremacists and white nationalists very fine people after the Charlottesville riot of, of, of three years ago. It is obviously 
garbage. It is wrong. But the caller said, I've been trying to show a future family member, so it sounds like uh, you know an in-law-to-be, who is very liberal, who insists that Joe Biden, or excuse me, that Donald Trump did call neo-Nazis and white supremacists very fine people. He said he's been looking for audio of it online and can't find it. And I said, well, I'm going to provide it for you. Comments in full, totally unedited, so that you can hear exactly what really happened in that press conference, and that's exactly what I'm going to give that caller right now. I think there's blame on both sides, and I have no doubt about it, and you don't have any doubt about it either. And, 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 and if you reported it accurately, you would say. They showed up in Charlottesville, and you had some very bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group, excuse me, excuse me, I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to take down, excuse me, are we going to take down, are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. Are we going to take down the statue? Because he was a major slave owner. Now we're going to take down his statue. So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history. You're changing culture. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Now, in the other group also, you had some fine people, but you also had troublemakers, and you see them come with the, with the black outfits and with the helmets and with the baseball bats. You got a, you had a lot of bad you had a lot of bad people in the other group well, too. Well, the press treated unfairly, sir. I'm sorry. I just didn't understand what you were saying. You were saying the press has treated white nationalists unfairly. No, I just didn't understand what you were saying. No. There were people in that rally, and I looked the night before. If you look, they were people protesting very quietly the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. I'm sure in that group there were some bad ones. The following day, it looked like they had some rough, bad people neo-Nazis, white nationalists, whatever you want to call them. But you had a lot of people in that group that were there to innocently protest and very legally protest because, you know, I don't know if you know, they had a permit. The other group didn't have a permit. So I only tell you this. There are two sides to a story. I thought what took place was a horrible moment for our country. A horrible moment. Unedited, completely and fully. The comments of Donald Trump, President of the United States in 2017, after that Charlottesville riot slash battle slash whatever you want to call it that led to the death of one woman, Heather Heyer, a 34-year-old who was a, a victim in this thing. But you heard Donald Trump state very clearly there were good people on both sides that were not part of either neo-Nazi groups on one side or Antifa and violent organizations on the other side. They were just there to express their opinions on whether the statue should come down or not, not affiliated with a hate group of any kind. And by the way, about those hate group members... And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, 
because they should be condemned totally. What did he say about the neo-Nazis and white nationalists? And I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. They should be what? Because they should be condemned totally. Once again? Because they should be condemned totally. This is what's known as the Charlottesville lie. The suggestion that Donald Trump praised neo-Nazis and white nationalists as very fine people and did not condemn them. He absolutely did no such thing. Do not allow the left to get away with these lies. And do not allow them to profit from it on November 3rd. Thanks to Jim Jordan this morning. Thanks to Peter Kersenow. Thanks to Josh Booth running the show. Thanks to Marcy, our producer. And thanks to you for listening. I hope you have a great day. Be well, be safe, and remain free. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence.